Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Wow, it's a good day to be alive, yeah? (laughs) So good to see you guys. Man, I see a lot of friends in the room I haven't seen in a while. So good to have everybody here. I'm going to hop in. Um, I got no time to waste here today. So we're going to get going. I believe that we have just a word here today that's just right for us. Taylor, Taylor made straight from the throne of God, right? And um, we're just uh, asking the Lord, Father, would you open our hearts and open our minds to receive what you have for us today? Uh, we were going to start a series today, but we're going to start that next week. Next week, we're going to start a series called uh, Multiply. We're going to be talking about finances, um, uh, stewardship, resources. And I'm really excited about that uh, because uh, that has everything to do with our joy and our freedom, okay? As we entrust our lives to God and as we live generous lives, it has everything to do with living in more freedom. Do you guys love to experience freedom? All right. Well, I want to encourage you to be a part the next few weeks. Also, special guests uh, next week leading worship, our good friends from Loud Harp will be here. Uh, next next week, yeah, I got some got some uh, fans here. Um, that'll be a little sneak peek for Resound. So it's going to be an awesome week next week. We were going to start that today, but decided to push that back. I felt like there was something else kind of rumbling around, and uh, some some other things that the Lord wanted us to chase after here. Because after we kind of get through this next series, we're going to get through Resound and the holidays. Then we're going to be well into December. Uh, the halls will be decked around here, and uh, we are going to be sufficiently celebrating baby Jesus, all right? So come December, that's what we're doing. Um, I wanted to get at something, though, that it's still very seasonal for us and very specific to kind of where we're at right now. And specifically what it is, is uh, just wanting to spend a little time talking about how we are to navigate trials, hardships, adversity, and, uh, and the discipline of the Lord. Okay, Now, I say that, and some of you are immediately thinking, wow, that seems kind of like a heavy topic for this morning, all right? Now, I, I assure you uh, that as we talk about this, this is purely good news, okay? In fact, it's the good news about what often feels like bad news, okay? Let's just put it like that. And uh, one of the questions I've just been asking is, how do we respond? How should we respond when life throws us the curveballs, all right? When we encounter something in life that's unexpected, something happens that wasn't part of our 10-year plan, uh, wasn't part of the 20-year plan, wasn't part of the life plan, wasn't part of the plan at all. What happens? How do we respond in that moment? We all know people that when life happens and things unexpectedly happen in life, uh, some people seem to have the ability to just stay calm and stay cool and just to keep their head focused. Others, when one thing is rearranged in life, it seems like you, know, you talk to them, it's almost like the very fabric of our existence is disintegrating before our eyes, right? And sometimes we go through seasons and, and trials that feel a lot like that. And I want to chase after that a little bit because I think God has some things he wants to say specifically to us this morning. Um, but uh, also, we, there's just some things we can work out in this way. Now, uh, several weeks ago, we were in a series called Circle Maker. Was anybody here for any of the weeks of the Circle Maker series? Okay. 
Now, one of the big ideas that we were, that we were going after in that series was talking about uh, our part and our role in dreaming with God and being people of bold prayers and big dreams, right? Do you guys realize the spirit of resurrection is inside of you? The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within your bones, okay? In your flesh, perfectly contained in your body. Now, that should probably change the way we live life, Yeah? Anybody here? Would that change the way you live life? Okay, well, that's good to know. And uh, so we are talking about our responsibility, not just, the, not just encouraging each other to dream, but we have a responsibility to be dreamers. But one of the things I think we have to remember when it comes to being people of big dreams, being people that dream with God, is that there oftentimes is a difference between the outcome of the dreams and the process of the dreams. The dream process, let me tell you, if you don't know this already, looks a lot different than the dream outcome. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The dream process looks a lot different than the outcome of the dream. And unless we are committed to the process, we're never going to see the realization of the dream. And for us, that requires a commitment to what God brings our way and what life brings our way. Now, if there's one guy in Scripture that knows a lot about what it means to have uh, uh, a different version of the dream outcome and then the dream process, it would probably be our boy Joseph, yeah? Most of us, if you've been around the church world very long, you know the story of Joseph. I'm not going to go through it in detail. But I'll give you some of the cliff notes and kind of how it starts off. And I think the beginning of his narrative, I think this is important for us to find ourselves in his shoes. Now, Uh, Joseph was one of Jacob's favorite sons. It says in Genesis 37, verse 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph, Israel meaning Jacob. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, I don't know how Jacob gets away with telling all of his brothers that he loves Joseph more. I, I don't know how that works out. I mean, about family drama. I don't know how that worked out for them. Obviously not too well. Uh, jo- uh, Jacob decided, this is my boy. You know what? I'm going to knit him a robe, right? Um, probably not many of us can say our fathers did that for us, right? Uh, coat of many colors. And it said because of this, his brothers already were not on good terms with him, all right? They knew that they were kind of... Um, at odds with Joseph. Now, we start to read about Joseph, 17-year-old boy, wildly gifted. He has prophetic dreams like nobody's business, right? He starts getting these dreams from the Lord. And then he starts announcing these dreams to his brothers and his father, all right? Now, this is kind of the idiot part of being 17, when God, when you get a dream that your brothers are going to bow down before you and your father's going to bow down before you, not a good idea to tell them right away, okay? Let's just let this one play out for a sec, all right? So, so obviously Joseph is 17, hasn't, hasn't lived a whole long time yet, and he gets these dreams from the Lord, and these dreams, he's just these vivid dreams of, man, there's coming a day where I, I can, you know, he sees his brothers and his father bowing down before him. He tells them that. That adds fuel to the fire, right? And so they decide, listen, we're, we're, not, we're not putting up with this. We'll see, we'll see who's bowing down before who, right? 
So we get later in Genesis 37, verse 19. His brothers start to conspire against Joseph. The moment he announces his dream, something moves against him. Okay? It says, verse 19, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. We will see what will come of his dreams. And then they took him and threw him into a pit. This is verse 24. They took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. And we know, if you're familiar with the story of Joseph, this kind of kickstarts a pretty unfortunate series of events in the natural for Joseph. It starts off in a well. He gets an upgrade to move to slavery, right? If, it didn't, if that wasn't good enough, he gets to go um, be in charge of Potter's, Potiphar's army, gets accused of, of, uh, of an affair with Potiphar's wife. One thing after another... It's almost as if the moment that he announced his dream, every step of the way was a departure from that dream. It almost seemed like as soon as something happened in his heart and he saw what could be, everything started happening in the exact opposite direction. And he wasn't taking steps towards the fulfillment of the dream. It seemed like he was taking steps in the completely opposite direction, away from everything he felt like the Lord had shown him. Have you guys ever felt like that before? (laughs) And it's just interesting to think what that must have been like, even at the beginning of that journey for Joseph. He gets thrown into the bottom of a well. What kind of questions you're asking at that point in time? Right? What kind of questions are you asking at that point in time? Now, a lot of us in the rooms, a lot of us have, have, have seen, experienced, have endured uh, different hardships. Some of, some of us even this year, right? We've experienced different trials, different hardships, different seasons of pressure where the heat was turned up. Uh, for example, even as a community, you know, we've, 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 we've uh, as a community, been navigating and, and going through challenging situations with people we know and love, and we're still walking those things out, right? Some of you guys, uh, some of you guys, when the floods came, the, the rains, the heavens opened up, um, and and, and you guys have been deeply affected. Some here have lost their homes. Some have been removed from their homes and won't be able to return until next year. Some of them in a moment, just in a few days, entire life rearranged. Things are tweaked. And those are a couple examples. And we got the day-to-day stuff. As I pay attention to conversations, and, and, and you know what I'm talking about, uh, there's a lot of us who just the unexpected has happened. You found out that you lost your job. You found out that you lost a significant amount of business. You found out you have to make changes in your life. You found out life wasn't going to be the same. You found out somebody in your family had this type of illness or affliction. There's things you find along the way. And sometimes it feels like being pushed into a well. And so there's these questions that happen at the bottom of the well. There's these questions that happen when we're walking through unexpected trials. And we start to analyze the situation. It doesn't take long before we enter a process of assessing why it is this is happening to me. What is going, why is this happening to us? Why is this, what is happening here? What is going on here? What is that all about? 
What did I do? And so we kind of go through a series from ourselves to other people to God. And so, you know, okay, is there something I did? How did I get here? Did I do something wrong? Did I make some bad decisions? Did I not, not make certain decisions? Did I, did, am I, uh, have I engaged in a destructive pattern of behavior? I mean, what did I do to get here? Then there's, or maybe, is this imposed upon me? Was, did this come from the outside? Was this a person's problem with me? Is this the enemy attacking me? Have I been assaulted or attacked or afflicted from the outside? Or a third one is, God, what, are you trying to say something to me, right? I mean, are you trying to get at something here? Are you trying to pinpoint something? Are you mad at me? Can we talk about this? Can we just sit down and work this out, right? And so we go through a series very quickly. The moment things shift, the moment things rearrange, go through a series of why is this happening right now? And those are all really good questions. But I think the scripture teaches us to kind of go beyond that, regardless of the why things are happening. When we fast forward to the New Testament, just to put the story of Joseph on hold here for a second, the writers in the New Testament have something else to say, almost as if the main question here isn't why you're going through, but what is happening now that you are in it. Hebrews 12, if you have your Bibles, you can turn here. The writer of Hebrews starts to get at this. Verse 5, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And the writer quotes Proverbs 3. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. I want you to remember that. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone goes, undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Is anybody anybody excited in the room to be a son or daughter of God in this place here today? (laughs) Don't you love that he treats you as a son? (laughs) He does for you and I what we do for our own kids. This passage in the middle on verse 7, I think it's really important that we take note of this. Endure hardship is discipline. Because when we're asking the question, why did I get here? The writer here is just redirecting it. It doesn't matter. All hardship, whatever you're going through, guess what? Here's what you're going to do. Just treat it as if it's discipline. Okay? Treat it as if the Lord is training you and teaching you and educating you. Now, when I use that word discipline, there's some of us in this room here that just start to cringe, and you're just kind of like cowering in your seat already, right? Because of your experience with that word. Maybe because of how you were raised. But we know that godly discipline has nothing to do with punishment. Do you guys know that? Discipline has nothing to do with punishment. Discipline from God 
is simply God's way of getting your attention to remind you of who you are and what is true. Discipline is simply God's way of getting your attention, getting my attention, to remind you of who you are and what is true. To be disciplined is to be treated as a disciple. It's God, it's Jesus showing us a better way to live. Now, do any of us like being disciplined? No. Anybody? No. If you, 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 go ask my four-year-old son. He likes to be disciplined, right? That moment where I take the controller, the, the controller for Mario away from his hands. You want to know how that goes? Not well. Is he interested in what I have to say? No. It hurts, right? It, it hurts. It's painful. You don't like that. But there's times where I have to remind my son of who he is, who he's becoming, and what is true. And the Lord is not afraid of doing that for us. And it's important that we get that, that discipline is the result of God's goodness and love being worked out in our lives. We're being trained and educated into righteousness, to holiness, because he regards us as sons. Now, that's important to know, because with that said, you have to understand, God has absolutely no problem rearranging your life. You're laughing because you know it's true. I don't think he tries to mess with us purposely, but I just don't think he has the same value for order that we do. He just really takes no issue at interrupting your day-to-day life and just tweaking a little thing here and there. You, I'm going to move you over here. You, you're going to go do this. You're not doing this anymore. How many of you experienced that from God? Guess what? That means that you have a father who loves you. You have a father who loves you. See, James says it a little bit different. In James chapter 1, he's writing to the early church who are, is going through all kinds of persecution. They're losing lives. Their families are losing lives. They're scattering all over the world. James 1, the first thing he says to them, first thing, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let patience have its perfect work. You need to let patience have what it wants. Patience have what it wants in your life. Let patience have what it wants. Let it do its work. Give it some time. Now, If I were to choose some words to describe the culture that we live in when we walk out these doors, patience is not one word I would use, right? Anybody with me on that? I'm not even just talking about trials. I'm just talking about living, right? For instance, I'm pretty young, but I remember a day when you could go fill up your gas tank without having to take a pop quiz at the the gas pump. You guys remember that? You could actually just get gas and leave. Now you pull up, I want some gas. Oh, great. Are you a member of our secret club? I'm like, oh, God. You scan the card. Wonderful. Well, would you like a car wash? with your? You know? No, actually, I, I just, uh, just here to get my gas, gas tank filled. No car wash for me. Wonderful. If we could just get your zip code and your mother's maiden name, then we'll have you off, right? 
what's going on here, right? I just need my gas tank filled. And I, I think that's one example of probably 100,000 I could come up with. We don't do very well with patience when it comes to good things. But certainly in trials, the first thing we're thinking is, how do I get out now? <laughs> See, Eugene Peterson says it like this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tasks and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Don't get out of it prematurely. And you guys know what this is like. When the heat gets turned up in life, when things unexpected happen, what's the first thing we do? We're praying through breakthrough and deliverance right away. Get me out of here. We spend all of our time thinking about how it is I got to right here and how it is I'm going to move on from right here. When the instruction of Scripture and what Jesus is saying to us is, listen, you got to get this. I want to meet you in the middle. The work I'm doing in your life is in the middle. My training, my education, my instruction, my disciplining you. The work work I'm doing to extract the best out of you happens right in the middle. Don't leave this place before you found me in the middle of it. So as we're trying to spend our time getting out, he's trying to remind us that he's coming in. Do you guys realize this is the beauty of the presence of God? We love his presence, right? But you know what's awesome about the presence of God? Is that his presence is actually giving us permission to be present as well. Did you hear me? Now that sounds uh, easy enough. But come on, some of us, you're walking through things. I, God, I want you to be present. I just, I just don't want to be I want to be somewhere else. Hey, God, how about you come and you just stand here. You just hold, hold this place for a brother. I'm going to go move on over here, right? I'm just going to, you just do your thing. You be present here. I'm moving on. But what Jesus wants us to know, when he says that he'll never leave us, forsake us, what he's saying is, listen, I'm going to come to you because I'm not afraid of that mess. I'm not uncomfortable in that trial. I'm not intimidated by what you're going through. I'm not embarrassed by it. In fact, I'm right at home here. I just want you to come experience me in the middle of your trial and your pain. We can be present too because he is present. That, friends, is the beauty of the incarnation. One of the most powerful passages, I believe, in all of Scripture, in John 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Who else does that? Can you think of another man or another God who 
would put on flesh and parachute into your existence and into your moment because he just wants to be with you in that moment. So most of us, if we were to do that, we would have chosen a different route. We would have been like, all right, it would have made a lot more sense for heaven to be like, hey, everybody down there, we think we got a plan. So once you guys get your stuff together, you get up to heaven, we're going to work this out up here, right? We're going to get things all worked out up here. We're going to get it all cleaned up. Things will be fixed back together. No, 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 that's not the story of the gospel. The story of the gospel, you won't find this in any other world's religion. The story of the gospel is Jesus putting on your skin and coming straight into your moment, into your time, into your place. He moved into the neighborhood because that's how present he is. Do you guys understand how powerful this is? We have to get this, that we serve a God who enters into our experience. When you look in the scripture, there's all kinds of examples of this. In the Old Testament, there's another story of a few misfit boys teenagers who refused to bow before a king. And so what happened is they fired up the old furnace. They said, you guys are going to burn. You're not doing that. And they said, no, no, no. We're, we serve the almighty God, the one God that created us all. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that is the God we bow before. And what happens? Did God rescue them from the flame? No. He entered into it with them. We read that there wasn't just three men walking around in the furnace, but as people were looking in, there was one more man in the middle of the fire. It was him. Jesus enters into the fire. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den. Was that what he wanted? Was that what he expected? Absolutely not. But we serve a God who gets into the den with us. He entered into the den. Do you guys believe that he enters in to whatever you walk through? He enters in to every trial. So James is saying, listen, you have no other choice but to count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. doesn't matter how you got there. Pick a trial, pick a hardship, whatever you call it, however it happened, whatever it was put on you by somebody else, consider it the goodness of God to meet you there. Count it all joy. Do the calculation so that the only logical conclusion is joy. <laughs> the thing is, we have to understand God's process for extracting the very best out of us. And if you don't understand that God is not afraid of heat and pressure and and tough circumstances, then you'll spend your entire life running from it. He is not afraid of those things. His intention is to meet you in those places and to lead you out of those places, to experience him in the moment. Sometimes it feels like a crushing. Several weeks ago, I had a friend... I was talking to from Costa Rica, one of our pastor friends, and he was, he said a prayer for me. It was a tough week for me uh, for different reasons, and he said a prayer for me. He said, God, thank you that the best wine still comes from crushed grapes. 
And as he said that, it was one of those things that just, he said that, and then I just stopped paying attention to the rest of the prayer. I'm sure it was wonderful. But he's like, all right, that's, what, that's, that's it. That's the word right now. Do you guys realize that wine is the result of grapes being crushed? That bread only comes from grain that has been ground down. And God uses things to distill and to take us to the very simplest extraction of who he created us to be. He is after who he created us to be. And he's not opposed to rearranging our lives until we see more of who he is and more of who we are in him. He is not opposed to removing the clutter of our lives. And he's not opposed to doing things that seem opposite of all the dreams that he's put in your heart. Because he's working his own dream out in your heart. And so it's just interesting because we come full circle in this story with Joseph. And I wish I had more time to unpack this. Joseph goes through years, decades, of wondering what, what exactly was going on. Being steadfast in what God's called him to. And eventually he makes himself into the palace of the king, gets promoted, he's interpreting some dreams, you know, people are liking it. He becomes Pharaoh. And a moment he didn't expect, I think, snuck up on him. While he was in the palace, his brothers came to town to get some food. And they came into, they, they came into his palace. And it says this, Genesis 45, 1 through 2. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone out go, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, so the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. You got to see Joseph ended up in this place where there is this convergence of the dreams that God had put inside of him. And all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the twists, all of the turns, all of the unexpected moments along the way. And he got into this place and he saw his brothers and he saw them bowing down before him and he realized what was happening in this very moment. Everything that God had promised was coming true before his eyes. He just never would have guessed what it would have taken to get to this moment. And something inside of him just erupted. He said, get out of, get out of the room. And he wailed so loud at this convergence of the faithfulness of God and the unexpected trials that came along the way. He wailed at this conversion that the, all of everybody in the palace, all of the Egyptians were listening in from the outside wondering what in the world is going on in there. Do you understand that there's coming a time where we're going to have that convergence, each and every one of us? There is a convergence coming, coming, and it's going to do, do something inside of where you're going to realize, I was not far from God the whole time. In fact, we were right in the palm of his hand because we are beloved sons and daughters. We are not outside of his reach. He loves me, and he's been working all things out for my good from the beginning. I love what Graham Cook says. I, I, I think 
I don't know if he said it exactly like this, but he said the thing about warriors is warriors don't run from a fight. They relish the fight. When something opposes you and somebody tells you, I can't, you can't, what happens inside of you? When the living God wells up inside of you, there's something that just ignites in the hearts of people. And we're in a season where we have to get this. God is so about the process, you guys. And it feels like death sometimes. And I only say that it's because Jesus had to be crushed. Isaiah 53 says that he was crushed. It was the will of God to crush him, to pull the best out of him. Even Jesus, before the Father, said, is there any, any way this cup can pass me? No. Because we're going after the best. We're going after the best. He's after the best of what's in you. And he's not afraid to get you there. The question is, are you willing to be present in those things? Are you going to be just as present as he is present in those moments? I'm just going to pray for us here today. We're out of time, but man, God, I thank you, Jesus, in this place. Jesus, I thank you that your plans for us are good plans. And God, I know in a room this size, we've all experienced some things that we just didn't see coming. We've all walked through some things. Man, we we got phone calls. We heard some game-changing news that we just, we did not see it coming. We didn't think things would pan out like they've panned out. But God, we thank you that in all things, whatever the enemy means for bad, you mean for our good. I thank you, God, that your intentions are better than our intentions. Your intentions trump everybody else's intentions. God, I thank you, Father, that in every trial, in every various place of trial, we can count it all joy that we are being fathered and disciplined by one who is training us up and raising us up to reap a harvest of righteousness and peace. I thank you across this room, even now, for righteousness and peace to be the fruit of your sons and daughters in this place, God. We thank you for resilience. We thank you for strength. And we thank you for vision, for everything you have coming. We commit ourselves to you, God. And we say yes to whatever you are doing in our lives and whatever process you're doing. Would you teach us Would you train us? Would you remind us of who we are and what is true, God? Amen.